Hello, and welcome back to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. As you all well know, the purpose of this podcast is and always has been simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. This week, I am joined by King Penson himself, Chad Penson. Just like our last guest, Andy Huang, which you can also check out on Spotify right now, Chad is coming off of the showdown meet. Uh, statistically, his worst lift uh, is... Oh, Chad, what is going on, brother? Welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was chatting with Andy just last week. Uh, I know a lot of people have been coming off showdown. Uh, I know you on paper, it was the greatest performance you've had, but also statistically it was the worst (laughs) performance you've ever had. So I'm curious if you've had a few weeks to kind of digest and go over that. How are you feeling kind of moving into record breakers and looking ahead? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. It took, I took a couple of weeks off, um, kind of focus on myself and, uh, just kind of get a body of break. And uh, getting ready to go into record breakers now. I had a, I had a lot going on, uh, a looming deployment that was supposed to be coming up. So a lot of stuff was kind of uncertain. And uh, it kind of dampened my motivation a little bit. So, uh, But it since has been canceled. And now I can kind of jump back into the swing of things a little bit and focus on you know regular life and uh, trying to get back into the swing of competing. So uh, record breakers is coming up. I think six weeks out right now. And got some... Not small goals. There's some pretty wild ones, but uh, I like to I like to aim high, you know, swing for the fences and just see what I get, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully try to put up a somewhat better performance from the current that just passed, and get a couple weeks in the wraps, see what I can do. Uh, it seems like every time I do a rap meet, I don't have enough time to really get practice in wraps, but it worked out fine for the current. So we'll see what happens this time. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. You know, six weeks out is kind of it's the crunch time, right? Like it's the, that's the kind of when things really start ramping up is that six week mark. Um, yeah. I mean, are, are you still feeling, <clears throat> I mean, I, I know from a, from an elite standpoint, is there fatigue going into this or are you just, I mean, is there just a fire to continue pushing? Like what mentally, where are you at? Uh, just even from kind of doing back to back competitions. Uh, so with that, I know a lot of uh, guys that have been competing for a while, um, like myself and even some of the new people kind of, they don't like to compete back to back. They don't like to do more than you know, like one or two meets a year, and I've never really been big into that. Uh, I, I go at it with a different mindset. It's not like I don't plan on going, you know, a meet two months apart and saying, "All right, I'm gonna hit a huge PR." It's not ever really my goal. What I like to do with meets that are like really close together is, you know, uh, take the past experience that I just had and say, "Okay, I can better attempt here," and adjust my attempt selection pretty much and kind of say, "All right, if I." If I'm feeling this way, I can go a little bit heavier here. I can pull back on this. And usually, even if I don't have a completely off day, I can still manage some pretty decent PRs, even with only like eight weeks between the meet. So, um, and also with this one being a wrap meet versus a sleeve meet, there's a whole other variable thrown into the mix. Um, obviously, my last meet squats went completely atrocious. <laughs> um, that was a complete nightmare for me. But um, hopefully with the... Uh, Couple weeks off, manage my water cut a little bit better. Uh, when I refeed, I should be able to pull off something 
similar to the Kern, a little bit more hopefully at uh, at 198. Uh, weight's holding steady. Um, life has improved a little bit without the deployment coming over. The stress has kind of been reduced. The little bit of uh, funny internet trolling comments and backlash kind of tied down from the meat. So I'm kind of in a clearer headspace. I'm focused on uh, just hitting hitting the small goals that I have set for this one. So. Um, Mentally, not as drained uh, from the stress of competing. Uh, basically, taking my programming and just gonna uh, pull it back a bit. But I'm gonna ramp up fast, kind of give my body a break, and also jump back into the swing of things. I didn't go too light. Like uh, I think last week, I did uh, like 600 on deadlift, 605, and that's the very beginning, just to kind of give me start. I think it's roughly 75 percent. It was blazing easy, um, so I'm probably gonna jump another six, seven percent. This following weekend, that's kind of going to be my trend right there until I can find a good spot. So uh, pretty much going to do that for every lift and just kind of see where I'm at. Not too crazy of a prep. Just really want to see how I'm feeling in the wraps or in a bench and deadlift kind of is. So main thing right now is kind of maintaining strength and then peaking in the next few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. I know everybody listening and everybody else is going to be paying close attention. Uh, I mean – for you and for every other athlete, you know, that's jumping in and we've got a ton of big meets yeah. coming up, uh, from record breakers to the hybrid showdown ghost clash. I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, well, of course you weren't always, you know, the elite lifter. You weren't always top of the game. At some Ooh. point you had to be little Chad. So how the hell did you get started in all this in the first place? Man. Um, so I used to wrestle in high school, I wrestled a bit in college, uh, before joining the military. And, once I finished basic training, there was a. Uh, I went to this gym and I was I was a bench bro, so I used to bench all the time. It was my thing, didn't squat, didn't deadlift. And they were having a, uh, a powerlifting meet one day, and I knew the guy that managed like the powerlifting team on the base. He'd always try to give me to like you know bench a little heavier, bench a little heavier. So it was a good push. And they were having a meet one day, and he was like, "Hey, just just sign up." I walked in, you know, shorts, t-shirt, and registered as a novice. Things an APF meet and. These records are lost. They're not even open powerless. So I don't know what happened to them, but um, I didn't do very well. I don't think I totaled a thousand pounds. I was like 145, 148 pounds back then. And I'm pretty sure I I benched almost as much as I squatted and deadlifted. I think I barely deadlifted like maybe 315. I think I, I think I benched like 270. So, but even though I was like I wasn't phenomenal even. Ten years ago, that was pretty. That was that was pretty bad. Ten years ago, if you want, you know, say bad, you know, quote. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody starts somewhere, you know. I was untrained, uh, didn't know how to properly squat. I didn't know what low bar, high bar was. I was pulling conventional at the time. Still, um, I didn't know anything. But I just walked in, and I fell in love with the sport right off the bat. And from there, I just kind of dove right in head first. I was like, I like this. This is something that can keep me keep my competitive spirit going that I thought I lost with, you know, uh, wrestling and stuff like that. So it was a way for me to kind of keep that, that same kind of feel of somewhat of camaraderie and somewhat of like just competing with myself and other people at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you kind of moved on and entered the military, you know, I was chatting with, uh, with Dan Grigsby, uh, last year, um, just even as he was doing a lot of his prep for becoming one of the body bearers. And, uh, you know, just how intensive that is. And for a lot of people in the military, just how fully involved they got to be. And he was just talking about trying to balance what it looked like to even try to train or try to keep some kind of 
um, strength side of the physicality up while also being full-time military. What did that look like for you? Were you trying to still competing at the same time? Or was it kind of, you just took a break? What did that look like? Uh, so for me, it really, so the military life didn't really impede too much of my, my training, except for the fact that the gyms were lackluster and being in the air force, they kind of put us in really obscure locations, just random places. Uh, like right now I'm kind of just, I'm on the central coast of California, but there's not a big like powerlifting community here. I just, like just now, maybe like a few months ago, I discovered there was a gym about an hour away from me that has a lot of powerlifting there. There's another one that just opened up about 30 minutes away from me that is kind of a powerlifting slash strongman focus. And I've been here for uh, a little over four years. So mm-hmm. the biggest hurdle I really had to jump through was, you know, um, equipment and nobody to, like push me other than like, you know, random gym bros that I had and some friends of mine that, that's got the military with that were like training partners, but nobody else was into powerlifting like me until like kind of getting here. So the biggest, like I said, the biggest hurdle was just making do without all the cool equipment and that people kind of get caught up on like, oh, I need to use the camera bar, I need to use the belt squat. And it, those things help, but it's not like, it's not the end all be all, you know? Cause I, I, before I even had my own home gym or even went to a powerlifting specific gym, I like I cracked the top ten total all the time in one eighty one. I was like, okay, cool, you can do it with regular stuff. Right. Well, other with the with the specialty equipment help, yes. Um, so that's one big hurdle. The other thing is you know just the work schedule and, and uh, PT. Um, I'm not gonna harp on PT too much because I'm in the Air Force. We don't run three miles or anything like that. We're not the Marines. We don't do miles of rucking and anything like that. So it's not too strenuous uh, on that front. So I can't really complain too much on that end, but um, does it detract a little bit from my, from our specific goals? A little bit because they want you to. We'll still do like three mile runs, and it's like, damn, I got to train today. After that, but I think that's something that every military person can kind of relate to. Is after a PT day, like, oh crap, I got to go and do. I got you know RPE eight squats, or I got to do ninety percent squats or deadlifts, or I got a bench after doing a PT uh, test today, and it's like. You either suck it up or you skip a day. Right. That's kind of the gist of it. I mean, other than deploying, it's really not a big – I haven't had a big detractment for my career through, probably through uh, the Air Force. So um, I can't really complain too much on that front other than just been like – just nagging about it. Like, oh, I don't want to do this because it's going to make me not want to train today. But, you know, I've, I've gotten older and I don't bitch about it anymore. It's like it's part of the, it's part of the game, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I see Bria there in the background. Uh, so yeah, congrats, you guys. Home. I know you all got married recently, so congratulations. <laughs> That's big. Um, you know, one, one of the big things that I found in, you know, in powerlifting is how important it is to have a support system around you um, and people that care about you are looking out for you, not just from a physicality standpoint, for even the mental health, everything else. You know, you made a post recently um, where you said something that really resonated with me. You know, a strong body is going to break under a weak mind. Um, and powerlifting itself is also just such a mental sport. Um, yeah. I wonder if you can just kind of compound on that a little bit. I mean, for somebody to post something with a quote like that, that means there's a lot more going on. Um, what does it look like for you to also, you know, battle mental health challenges and having the right people in your corner and everything else? Um, man, (laughs) it's something that, um, I'll say I struggled with coming to terms with over the last like few years. Um, 
is, is that. And it's something I take very seriously for other people. Uh, I always try to, everybody who reaches out to me, I treat them just like anybody else. Um, I'll talk to them, whatever they're going through. And I like to take that time out for people. If they if they want to take time out to talk to me about something wrong, like I'm more than willing to listen. Because um, sometimes people just need an ear. And something I learned through going to therapy myself is just, it just helps to get things out. Because when you say it, when you say what's really going on, and somebody digs down deeper and, and pulls those answers out of you, it makes you kind of get an introspective look at yourself and what's going on and why you feel the way you do about certain things. And I know a lot of people use like going to the gym as, as you know, quote unquote therapy. But I'm here to tell you, man, that's not enough. If you really got things going on, like yeah, you can go in the gym and and angrily throw some weights around on bench press. You're probably not gonna do it on squats, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> Everybody wants to go bench when they're pissed off. But, um, yeah, it, it helps to kind of, like, get that anger out. But if you got other stuff going on, like if you're depressed, you got anxiety, you know, if any other type of, like, you know, or even a personality disorder or anything like that, you can't fix that just by going to the gym. You're just going to be in there alone with the weights. And sometimes being alone, just banging out weights, hurting yourself isn't the way to, to kind of go about everything. So, um, so going to therapy having my fiance with me to like help me get out of like uh, my own little mental rut sometimes is like has been pivotal to me and my mental health I think the last two, three years because I used to just let it let it destroy me. And honestly, uh, when I made that post I I was kinda in a dark spot. Well I was coming out of a dark dark spot and it's just I had to get off the internet for a little while. Like I had to just want to really focus on me and try to get my mind back healthy. I had a lot of stress um, the internet's a cool place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's just it's just not as easy to just go and just go through life with emotions and think that everything's gonna be okay. Sometimes it's not gonna be okay, and it's it's all right to not be okay, and to to feel like you need help. The only thing that's wrong with that is not going to get the help when you feel like you need it, and that can be just you know a, a mild depression. You know, if it's if it gets beyond that. And you just let it fester, it can get really bad, you know. I've had, um, I've lost a couple of uh, friends through, you know, suicide. And it's, it's really sad, you know, because it's when they, they get to that point where they, they give up because they feel like they're, you know, they just feel like they're better off, you know. Not trying to do it to other people, they're doing it to themselves because they want to end things. And I, I get how those dark moments can get you. And I just wanted everybody to know that if you have a weak mind, no matter how strong your body is, it will break. Your body will not hold you if, if your mind is breaking. So that's just a call out to everybody. If you have something going on, go get the help you need. Then it's, it's super important. I foot stomp that all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a couple friends who, <clears throat> same thing, I mean, in high school. I mean, even before... Yeah, you know, as much as much as social media has um, allowed you know connectivity for stuff like this to happen, I mean, it's also it is it's it's a cruel place. Um, and so, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of pause for a second. If anyone is listening, um, of course, um, you aren't alone uh, in any situation outside of training or just in your own personal life. Uh, if you don't have anybody to talk to, um, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, you know, one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five because you are worth you're worth it. Um, and there are a lot of people who'd be devastated if you weren't around anymore. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, in, in powerlifting, 
It is. It, it's a double-edged sword because it, it brings together so many people who are kind of on the fringe of society. You know, it is. I know there's kind of that joke. I remember Dom Mazzetti when I was in like middle school and he was making all his bro science videos. Yeah. It was like the powerlifters, like the kids over in like the corner of the lunchroom, like fucking playing bloody knuckles, <laughs> you know, yeah. in the corner. Um, it but it's true. Right? You know, it, yeah. you know, it, bring, it brings together a lot of people who, you know, are really damaged. But it, it's also an obsessive enough sport that it can damage people even more, um, you know, and it, it is, it's just, it's vital to know that the people in your corner are the right people in your corner. Um, yes. because you, you can't, you can't rise to the top alone. You just can't. Yeah. And I'm sure you can attest to that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, I think it was, I think it was Travis Rogers, uh, who said he, you know, he had a birthday party, you know, a few years back, uh, and there was a guy sitting at the table next to him, who was like, man, you know, we're, we're always going to be here. You know, we're locking and loaded. Like, we're the squad. We're the ride or die. And Travis said the next year that guy wasn't at the table. And he was like, this is just an example for me of people aren't always what they seem to be. And so if you actually find people you can really trust, people who really stand beside you, you know, your instance, Bria, I even think of, uh, after the meet, um, you, Joe and Briani and Bria, you know, just all getting together because yeah. at the end of the day, you need to have that group that understands that's also in that same field as whether it's the sport or work or anything else, like people who get what it's like, uh, is just vital. So I wonder, you know, outside of that group, who are some other people who have really been instrumental, even in your own walk, whether family or, or close friends that have driven you to become a better version of yourself? Oh man, honestly, man, it's it's a lot. Um, you you mentioned uh, Travis earlier. I admire the hell out of Travis, man. Travis is he's like he's like an ideal person. The man, <laughs> the man is he's great. He goes to the gym, he works hard, and kind of hate him for his deadlift sometimes. I don't know how he goes to the gym and just pauses deadlift seven hundred. Like, I swear, he, yeah, I think he does it every week. I don't know. And I'm just like I, I can't do that right now. My back hurts just looking at it. Um, then there's just people like uh, uh, Bree, uh, Brianni, and I, I love Brianni because we get to, we kind of poke fun at each other all day, all day. Every time we get together, we're talking shit all day. And uh, Joe too. Joe's been like uh, a brother to me over the past year. Um, he did really great with my coaching. He did really great with uh, helping with my refeed at the meet, and um, obviously my wife goes without saying. She has been. I can't even put in words the amount of like I wouldn't even call it work, but just the just the sheer amount of like I don't know what to call it, man. But she she's been everything. Um, when we when we started dating, I was I, I was not in a good spot then either, and I was just kind of like I don't know, man. And then I, I found her, and like, everything kind of just started turning around. Um, my stepmom uh, Alicia has been pivotal in my my experience as an adult, you know, helping me push forward, make better decisions. And, and even just watching some of the people on the internet, you know, some of your favorite powerlifters and even back in the day, like Alan Thrall, Dan Green, just seeing these guys hit the gym of, what's his name? Um, uh, Herbie, Andrew Herbert, watching him in the cage, you know, uh, it's just those kind of people too, watching them on the internet just have pushed me to be 
the, the wannabe the lifters that I am today. Shoot, I, matter of fact, I pretty much modeled my sumo after Dan Green. Him and Mike Marino. I was like, I want to be Dan Green, but I'm, a, I'm not that big, so I got to actually look like Micah because we're about the same size at, at the time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, it's just a lot of – me and Mike are good friends too. Um, a lot of these guys have reached out to me too. I was having a, a little spill when I took my break from the internet. They reached out and checked on me too. Um, oh, another guy, O three O G, Dan Clancy, uh, good guy. Him and his wife are great. Um, he reached out to me too to make sure I was doing okay. And a lot of people actually reached out, and I just was a little overwhelmed and didn't really want to reach out to everybody back. But if anybody's listening to this, if you send me a message during that time, thank you. Um, if you ever need anything, feel free to DM me. I will respond and make sure you're doing okay too. Um, but yeah, man, it's just been so many people who have been great to me in the sport, outside of the sport, family, whatever. Um, I can't really say that I know of anybody who's <laughs> been ill to me or had any ill will towards me, and I feel lucky for that. Cause this sport's pretty small, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes <laughs> with people and small beefs and stuff like that, and I don't have any of that with anybody. So if you don't like me, I don't know it. So. <laughs> You can keep it that way or let me know. I don't care. <laughs> oh, so. man. Well, and, and I think especially out of all of the fan bases that I feel like I've observed, I feel like yours is one of the most active. Um, and kind of you know switching trajectories here, every week there was always a new uh, Q&A uh, yep. put up <laughs> um, on the story. Uh, and you know, I'm kind of calling this segment. So if my, if my parents are listening or anybody that, that was looking for a PG episode is listening, you can go ahead and turn it off and wait for the next one. But, um, I feel like this is, this is really what I think brought you out into the spotlight is what I'm calling sex stories with Penson. Um, (laughs) but I I don't even, I don't even know where to get started. I, I, I feel like I've observed so much over yeah. the course of the last two months of both yeah, people's stories, your stories, dude, what was even the thought process behind launching that series? So I'm going to be 100% honest. That was kind of just a fluke. It kind of just happened. Um, I, I, forget. I just kind of got on and I was bored, man. I was just like, you know what? Just, you know, ask me anything. Because usually people don't ask me a bunch of crazy questions, but I was like, you know what? Tell me something. And I just was like, you know, tell me a secret. And it kind of just went supremely left. I mean, it, it it veered so hard to the left, man, that I was like, I don't know if I can share these. And I was like, you know what? F it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just post it and see what people, because I'm like, I was getting some crazy stuff, man. And everything, I, I didn't even post everything. But I even tried to, like, keep it, I tried a couple times to, like, okay, let me give them options, you know, and you can go back and look at some of them. I was like, all right, give, give me something like this. And, even then, they, these dirty motherfuckers were still making something dirty. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm. well, that seems to be the trend. I kind of wanted to make it like, all right, if I'm going to keep doing this, let's not make sex this topic every week. Because people are going right. to be like running out of stuff. You know, everybody's not out doing all that stuff, you know, every week. Mm-hmm. And I was going to figure out run out of people with stuff to say. And no, nah, man, they just kept going. I was like, you guys are some degenerates, and I love you because <laughs> this is great entertainment, man. And I wonder how much of it was because they knew it was going to be kept secret. Uh, probably that. I mean, so it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about people just kind of want to vent. You know, they kind of want to, mm-hmm. people want to tell the stuff they've done. They just don't want people, the whole world to know. 
It's like, okay, well, yeah, I did this this one time. Don't tell everybody it was me, but I did it. And mm-hmm. the reactions I get, and they'll, I'll usually post it, and then they'll see some of the, I'll, I'll sometimes go back to the people and go, hey, so this is some of the screenshots of responses I've got. And I'll make those anonymous, too. Just kind of give them, like, feedback. Oh, you got this. This was shared 47 times, or this was shared 100 times. And I think one time I offered 10 bucks for the one that got shared the most to and that one still, I think, reigns supreme. It was, it was wild. Um, yeah, and if you're listening to this, I hope you spent that 10 bucks wisely because that was the wildest story I think I've ever gotten. Um, you it know, was there, bad, but it was good. It was bad. <laughs> the, you know, there's a, uh, there's a phenomenon. I don't remember if it was a movie or it was a book or something where uh, how people in Ubers would tell people, you know, their deepest, darkest secrets. And he was like Uber driver confessions or something like that, where, you know, the driver of course, you know, has zero connection to John Smith, you know, in the back seat and they do their little small talk. Oh, have you been driving for long? Has it been a busy night or whatever? And then like two minutes before they get out of the car, they'd like confess, like, you know, I actually killed someone when I was a teenager or like, like just random shit. Because they knew they were just never going to see the person again. And I remember there was this like, whole thing where like Uber drivers were like, yeah, like, I've literally heard straight-up confessions to like felonies and like murders. Because people yeah. just assume they're never going to interact with me again. And it very well may tr- be true. So that's like what I think of every time I would like, scroll through the hundreds and hundreds of like orgy stories <laughs> that yeah, were on yeah. your story. Because they're like, ah, who's, who's ever going to know? It's just Chad. Chad's not going to say anything. You know? Yeah, man. I've... I've been called powerlifting's diary a couple times, and it's been pretty funny. And the stuff I, I see, because I see, I get to see who says anything. Right. And I'm just like, Man, I would have never guessed you did that. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, and sometimes it's people that I obviously have never met or don't, I've never even talked to. So I sometimes scour my request folder for some of the crazy stuff. And and I honestly, I like meeting people and like kind of learning what people do and stuff like what they're into. It's kind of fun for me, and I'm just like. All right, so how did this? And I won't post the whole conversations, but I'll be like, I'll post it the confession. I'm like, all right, now how the hell did this happen? Right. Because sometimes I need context, or sometimes everybody else will need context. And I still, man, I, sometimes I can't believe it either. But I'm just like, all right, you know, you guys keep telling me stuff, I'll keep holding it in. I forget most of the stuff anyway, unless I go back and we have a conversation. I'm like, oh, you're you're that person that you know did your stepmom or whatever. Right. Well, you know, I'm curious. Um, Such a random example. Um, I'm curious. Uh, Yeah, I believe it. (laughs) Trust me, I believe it. Uh, I'm curious, out of of all of the uh, stories that you've been given, what's one or two of the top that actually floored you uh, more so than just sending it out and people being like, wow, that's crazy. Like, which one of them actually blew you away? Um... So I got one recently, and it's kind of more so who of the person who it was that I didn't expect it. <laughs> and it was uh, this girl that said she organized a gangbang herself. On her? Yeah, on her. And she was like, I was like, wait, what? Like, I thought she was messing with me. So I like, had to get the rest of the story. I was like, you know, wait, how did you do this? She's like, you know, I was at a, a type of party. She was not a type of party, not anything crazy. She was at a party of some sort, and she was like, she just told the guys, like, one guy was like, yeah, we got a room here, and she was like, okay, cool, well, how about all of us go back? And 
you know, bam, bam, thank you, ma'am. That was, that was it. And that one, that one, it's not even this. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty wild, but it's. And some of the stuff I've seen is probably crazier than that, but like. But it's the just, people who have yeah, said. Yeah, if you see, if you see the people, you're like, you little minx, man. I didn't. Know yeah, you <laughs> like damn you, yeah. really. It, it's well, kinda, it's, they always say it's the one you least expect, right? It's always the ones you least expect. The, the one, and there's another one. I'll go to say this one too. There's another one who was. Uh, she was having an affair with her uh, boss. At the same time, as somebody else, um, I forget the details, but it was like she worked. She would go to work and then get off work, and then, but they would stay at work, you know, and get some more work done. If you know what I mean, right? And it, it, I, I've gotten some crazy stuff. I could go through my highlights and just be like, "Yeah, this is the craziest one right here," and you just be surprised because when you see who says it, and it's some some of the people are like you know popular powerlifters, and some of them are just random people that you haven't ever conversed with and they come out and tell you anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Like, girls puking while they, you know, get head. Some of them, I did, a, I did a nasty, like a bad first date one. That was probably one of my favorites. And that, that was supposed to be just dates and it got, once again, go straight left. Mm-hmm. Every time. You guys are all heathens. I'll probably, I'm probably going to do that again this week. I took a break to kind of get back into the swing of everything slowly, but I'll be doing it again probably this week. So I think it's some good topics to give everybody a little run, run again. Yeah, you know, I pulled up one of these highlights, you know, while you're talking here. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just laughed a little bit. This is uh, one of our free-for-alls. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> a man says, uh, you know, I was taking mass gainer and I protein farted myself flaccid. Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I remember. Yeah, I was. I just, you know, it makes you want to know what the story is, right? It, like, it how does. Did, how it's did like, you even get here? Like, how are you about to only give us that one snippet? Like, how how are you prone to that much flatulence? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever let one loose so bad that it just, you know. Maybe lose my manhood for a second, but you know, hey, I, I don't know what to tell it, man. It's, I mean, you know, it is. Even just scrolling through all of the, I mean, it's just, it's, it is a bizarre, bizarre world. Um, but what I will tell everybody listening is, if you tell Chad a secret, it's more than likely going to stay a secret because I'm pretty sure there's thousands of people's careers he could, <laughs> at this point, decimate. Uh, with, with some of this information. Um, if, if I wrote a tell-all book, every power student in the world would buy it. Oh, absolutely. With, with absolutely no hesitation. I, dude, I'd be your press guy on that because that thing would sell off the... That'd fly off the shelves. Um, I won't do that. <laughs> no. No, we, we, we got we to gotta save people's faces. I know there's a bunch of people whose hearts just dropped for a split second. Uh, well, you know, outside of that, you know, um, I know you're also, you're coaching athletes um, as well as um, doing your own training. You know, what's your methodology as a coach? Uh, what does your team look like if there's people that are looking to join? What can they expect? Are you even open for athletes? What does that whole dynamic look like for you right now? Uh, well, so I, I took a break. Not a break. I, I kept coaching the clients I had. Uh, I took a break from onboarding clients until after the showdown meet. Uh, so... The gates are back open uh, for everybody listening. Um, 
coaching with me is very you'll get a bit of every coaching style except maybe like straight conjugate um there might be bands there might be chains it might just be straight bar everything if that's all you have equipment to use um but it's usually it's it's mainly linear periodization for the most part uh there will be some other uh styles used for the better for the betterment of the athlete depending on what they need i'm not a um i'm not one of these people who like lives by and dies by one coaching style because I don't think it, one thing is for everybody. Refuse to believe it. Um, some people like a lot of volume, some people don't respond to volume. And that's just it is what it is. Um, you also have to coach with people's age. You know, older people need a little bit less volume. Um, and sometimes even less intensity. And you just have to kind of make it as personalized as possible. And I know a lot of people, one thing I hate about coaching is sometimes you'll get people who will be, they'll get coaching but they're used to like going balls to the walls all the time, and they're like, "Oh, I don't have a meet on the horizon." I had a I had a client do this once. Didn't have a meet on the horizon. We were working together for about three weeks, and they got frustrated because like, why are we doing volume? I'm like, do you want to just jump into doing ninety percent? I don't even know like what your form is yet. Your form is mm-hmm. not all the way there. Like, I don't want to put you under a, a sub max load, and you are your ankles are caving in because you don't know how to use the glutes or. You know, you got shoulder problems now because you've been low bar and, and benching in the 80 90% range back to back to back. You know, stuff like that is like, okay, we don't have to go hard all the time. Sometimes you need to build muscle and fix your form first. And that's something that I didn't do when I first started college, which is why I sucked. So, um, trying to save everybody else the trouble of not sucking as long. And they get kind of, some people get impatient. It's usually the younger lifters who don't really have a, a long history but don't want to actually learn either. But most most of my clients, actually all of them, uh, are very um, they're very patient. They trust the process, and they all hit PR. It's a long game. It's not, not a sprint. It's a marathon. Uh, I want everybody to be healthy, injury free, and pushing PRs, rep PRs, preferably until we get close to meet. Um, that's that's my overall coaching philosophy. Um, I'm not gonna get into like a whole spiel of why I hate one style versus the other. Because I think there's a, there's a place for everything. Yeah. There's a place for everything. Uh, sometimes with whatever problems you might be having, you need to try something that even the coach isn't used to. So, and I like trying new stuff. I'll experiment on myself in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to try this because I don't want to jack up somebody else's training. But I'll jack up mine because right. I'm, I'm where I need to be right now. And if I mess my own stuff up, that's okay. But I love the, I love the space that that lifting is in right now. There's so much free education uh, getting pushed out there by so many coaches, like uh, like Joe Francis. He did that rip your squat apart thing on his story the other day, and I knew better. I wasn't going to throw myself into that mix, but uh, just to see where we are now versus where I started, I used to go to bodybuilding.com and try to look at to try to post my videos and see if some random person with no picture on their profile would give me critiques, or jump on YouTube and watch Alan Thrall show me how to do RDL, you know. And I think where we are as a sport, even with even with people who aren't great coaches, there's so much knowledge out there for people to help other people that it's just it's a great spot for us to be in right now. And the knowledge base is getting bigger and bigger. And I think that where we'll be ten years from now compared to where we were ten years ago is just gonna be insane because right now I'm I'm still floored by the amount of knowledge and free stuff that you can get that's just being given away. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll do form reviews sometimes in my, in my DMs. Like, 
I don't do it all the time because my DMs get flooded with random stuff already. But if somebody sends me something, I'm like, hey, can you look at this? And I'm not doing anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's I think that's great. People can do that. Whether it's a me, whether it's a Joe, whether it's even friends they have across the pond. You know, I got people that I know in Australia now because of social media and the internet. So I think that to be able to have all that knowledge at your fingertips is just amazing. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, you know, <clears throat> I, I think that's even what makes powerlifting. I, I talk about this all the time so unique from a lot of other sports um, because it's the accessibility of elite athletes that you just don't have um, in other things. You know, yeah. I, I even think right now, uh, while fantasy football is happening right now, I would love to go text DK Metcalf and say, pick up the slack and do better, <laughs> but he's not going to see it, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I can't go text Pat Mahomes and be like, Hey man, like, can you critique my throw? Like it's just there's no yeah. there's no opportunity for that kind of dialogue, whereas you have people like Ed Cohen or John Hack or you know the top that you can just be like, hey, by the way, like do you mind taking a look at this real fast? And Ed will probably make fun of you at first, but then he'll offer the help. You know, like that there is, and that's just such a cool reality um, that I think even just in the last five or ten years has become much more. Um, readily available even just yeah. as we've as we've gotten the little supercomputers in our phones yeah. um accessibility you, is just right there it's crazy yeah which which like same thing double-edged sword <clears throat> i mean it yeah. means yeah you can access really cool people but you also have to deal with all the bullshit uh yeah. if you know this is the one downside i think about having a business account and having like insights on instagram if you don't lift well and you post it you're gonna you're gonna know even more so if that shit gets DM'd two hundred times and you're yeah. like, damn it, like I know there's X amount of people who are currently being like, Ah, did you see that dog shit? You know, and yeah. you know, that 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 does a blow, like for anybody, you know, because eventually you're like, Man, like I'm in this to better myself, like I'm in this to improve and grow, and it's not a linear track, but as much as there's people who are always like, Hey man, this is great, there's also always gonna be the people who are like, You shouldn't even gotten started in the first place. Yeah, there's always people like that. Especially, I see it so much with the, it's always, I was talking to somebody at work about this too, (laughs) because there's people that don't, either they're not really well versed in the sport, or they just don't even do the sport at all, who have the most to say about people and their sport of choice. This goes beyond powerlifting, obviously. This is like, you know, everybody, everybody complains about their favorite football players. Yeah. It's human nature, but it's like, okay, I get it, but don't don't go DMing that person four hundred times. They suck. Same thing should go for like right. um, powerlifters. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, your favorite powerlifter bombed out of a meet, or not your favorite powerlifter, just a high level powerlifter bombed out of a meet. You don't go message him and five hundred other people like those guys sucks, and you don't leave those five hundred comments on Insta- on Instagram or YouTube. Just, and people see that stuff, man. You know they might not act like it. They see it. I see y'all commenting on YouTube videos of me. I see it all the time. Just let everybody know. I see y'all. <laughs> but it's like uh, I see it with the women's pages too a lot. Like, oh, you're gonna hurt your back arching like that. And it's like, dude, you never ever like do you, do you know anything about powerlifting? You just wanna you wanna mansplain to a girl who probably benches more than you? Why right. you shouldn't bench like that? So same thing goes with the guys. You know, it's like you got this guy who totals 500 pounds less than you coming at you 
your list. And it's like, you got a private page and you have three posts. Like, it's like, I don't know what time people have on their hands to go troll women and dudes about their list all day, but I wish I had that kind of time. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't have it. But I wish it would stop. But I mean, it's not going to, but it's the, it's the world we live in. Yeah, you know, it's, it it is, it's funny because I know like most everybody has their, has their burner account, like regardless, uh, whether it's, you know, because they're, they're checking up on that, that X that was a psychopath that they had to get restraining order on or, you know, anything else. Everyone's got it. Um, But yeah, how much of that is used to just decimate people, um, especially in fields they don't have an understanding of like, dude. I don't even remember who what philosopher it is because I'm not an, enough of a jackass to have all this information off the top of my head. But um, who just said, you know, the older he got, the less he realized he knew. Um, that, you know, you hit that point right after, when you first start lifting, you're like, I don't know anything. And then that first six months, you're like, holy smokes, I hit a ton of PRs. I'm like, DM me for coaching. Here's my 10% yeah. off link to Redcon, like whatever, like the, <laughs> all, all the random affiliates. Uh, and they're like, Hey, like I'm on the hot shot. Like you're going to see me at the current next year. Yeah. And then they train for another six months. They get hurt. They back off. They train for another two years. And the same guys are like, damn, bro, I got to stay humble. I don't know shit. And it is like, yeah. it, it's just, it's funny that that's the progression, but so many people get stuck at that first spot where they're like, oh, no, I am a god. Like, I, I think it was Jen Thompson who was just like, the amount of dudes that hit my DMs are like, yo, you'd bench more if you did X, Y, Z. And she's like, I, there's no woman that can bench more. Like, th- I'm it. Like, this is, I probably know what I'm doing. But it doesn't change yeah. the fact that Greg, with his fish somewhere in Tennessee, <laughs> <laughs> thinks, you know, who benched 500 in high school, you know, knows more. Than yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I get, it, I get that a lot, man. I get I get that at the gyms on a basis sometimes. Like, oh, you know, I, I you, you you squat pretty good. Like, Thanks, you know. I don't go in there and be like, yeah, I got a world record. I know I squat pretty good, but it's like, yeah, you probably do better if you you put the bar right here or you did this. Like, no, I got it, and I see it more more often than not. It's it's women that get attacked with shit like that. Just like you just made the example with the uh, gym is like. If she benches 300 plus pounds, man, and she's 132. She's been benching in the 300 since I started. I remember watching her bench 300 pounds and some change in 2011 at Raw Nationals. I think this is like the first meet that I actually have on record for USAPL. And I was shook because I was 165 at the time, and she almost outbenched me. And I was like, all right, I this this was my moment. I was like, I really don't know shit. Right. Um, Cause I was so proud of my 300 pound bench, you know, and I was like, yes, I came in dead last by the way that year. So go, nobody needs to go look that up on open powers. To me. It was seven people and I came in seventh place. Um, but I saw her, I saw Kim Walford. And to me, the biggest, the coolest thing about that meet was like three things. It was watching Kim deadlifts, watching Jen bench. And it was a guy that was 165 in the open division. I think he did it like 700 pounds. And this is 2011. That is, that's massive. It was in the, it was either seven hundred in the higher sixes, but it was it was immense, and people weren't deadlifting like that back then. You know, you, you go look at open powerlifting records from two thousand eleven, two thousand ten. It's like we're in a different world now, a completely different ball game um, to see where people are now versus then. And 
those were those were like my defining moments. I was like, yeah, I'm sticking with this. I wanna I wanna do that. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Kim deadlifted more to me that year too. I, I'll go back and check, but I'm 99 sure she did. That was another defining moment right there. Where I was like, all right, I ate a slice of humble pie. Let me get my ass back to work. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's exactly right. You know, I'm 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 just about at that cusp um, where I'm like, you know, I'm intermediate, but I'm right at where you know Briani and Jessica Bittner and everyone else are just about at that same strength level that I am. Where I'm like, ah, like the top women are still doing better than I am. So I got still, I still got you know, I got to up my game a little bit um, because. Yeah, they they can still hit me with the you know I'm a woman I deadlift more than you and Bree has done that so you know it. Yeah, we'll, we'll I mean, get there. She, she pulled six before I did, so I have to pull seven before <laughs> she does. But you know, on, on this trajectory, I think she might get there first. So we'll see. Um, but it is you know, and and I think despite all of that, it is it's just such an encouraging sport um, because you could come dead last. And every person above you, or most of the people above you, are still going to step in and congratulate and be there and support. Um, and it's just, it is, it, it's a sport that people who couldn't find success in other sports can find acceptance and even achieve really solid greatness. Um, and and that's really really cool um, because, like I said, I can't just step onto the Lakers uh, court and just be like, hey, give me a shot. Like that's just not it. But I can step onto a hundred percent raw platform and bench the bar and go home with a first place medal and feel like I actually achieved something. Yep. Um, but anyway, Good for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a couple, couple meets with him too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. my first meet was, that was a hundred percent. Um, oh, nice. I did not realize, uh, during prep that I would either have to, well, I was under the impression as I read the rule book that I couldn't wear knee sleeves. Um, and so I, during prep, just like didn't even wear knee sleeve. I was probably squatting. I, I think I hit 500, like right after that meet, but during prep, I was like, this is great. I didn't realize that like competition day, I might not do as well as I was doing in the gym. And you know, I'm just, I was dominating prep. I was so pumped. I was like, this is gonna be great. Yeah. I think it was after the Arnold. So I might've squatted like 485 and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to squat 500 at this meet, like hundred percent. And then it was spring break. And, uh, they were like, hey, you know you can wear knee sleeves. And I was like, ah, shit. Like, I can't get knee sleeves before this meet comes in from where I am. So, you know, meet day, you know, I go bare knees or whatever. And <laughs> I step on that platform. I think I opened it at 4, 440. And I stepped on the platform. And I was like, damn, like, there's like 100 people watching me do this right now. <laughs> and there was a split second where I was like, ah, like, I'm not. And, and I think it was the heaviest opener of that meet because it was a bunch of beginners. And so I was like, damn, like. Ah, like no one else has done this on the platform yet. In my head, I'm like, I know I can do this, but dude, I like, I dive bomb that thing, bro. Like, I, I, I think I could have picked up a penny off the ground with my ass. Like, this is how deep I went, and you know, it was like an RP10 coming up with that thing. I like missed the next two attempts, and so every time I compete, like I'm haunted by that because I've like intentionally opened so much lighter. Like, regardless of how well prep went, but it is, you know, it, it's nonetheless, it was a sport where people were still like, man, that's huge. Um, whereas, you know, if you go out, um, for your, you know, little league baseball game and you miss your whole team's like, dude, I'm going to literally choke you out behind the dugout. And you're like, yeah. damn it. So, you know, it's, it's a very different reality. Uh, well, you know, on, on the back end of the episodes, <clears throat> you know, this is kind of where the, where the faith in the French toast stuff comes in. 
you know, everybody can talk about fitness, you know, till our, our faces turn blue. Um, but I think what's made um, at least this podcast unique from the thousands of others that cover, you know, training and methodology and everything else has been um, this conversation of faith and then breakfast food because I'm a breakfast nut. So, uh, you know, my first question for you um, is, is this question of faith. Um, you know, I'm, I myself am a Christian. I don't um, presuppose anything on anyone. Um, I've gotten so many cool answers off of this. Um, but my question for you is this, you know, what role, if any, you know, has your own personal faith, spirituality, beliefs of the cosmos or anything else played into your training, your coaching, or just the way that you even view yourself as an athlete in the sport? Um, man, so I, I kind of goes back a little bit. Um, so I was raised, <laughs> I was raised really religious. Um, my, so my, my, my mom's side of the family is uh, Catholic. I didn't grow up with them most. I didn't really do a whole lot of Catholicism. Um, but my dad's side is where I was raised with. And strong Christian family, man. Super strong. But um, <clears throat> the way I was brought up was kind of, it made me question a lot of, uh, made me question a lot of things with religion. So since then, um, I have since... Transform. I consider myself agnostic now, but the what I do love about my upbringing is it kind of taught me how to not be a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, one thing I have noticed about religion is some of the, the most super religious people, at least in my my experience, not anybody else's, um, they're really they're extremely judgmental. They're they're rude. They're sometimes prudish for no reason, and. Uh, I can't get down with these. That's not my personality. I can't get down with it. I'm not inherently rude. I'm not inherently mean to people. Um, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, which has sometimes bit me in the ass <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt is not always the best way to go, but um, being being raised in that environment, kind of, you know, the lessons I was, I was taught, I believe, made me a better person today. Um, so I don't, I don't have a problem with religion because even though I'm agnostic, it's I, I love this when the principle behind it is great. You know, be kind, help people, don't be a jerk. Yeah, it's, in life it would be so much simpler if everybody would just adopt those principles. You don't have to go spend six hours at church or spend your whole New Year's in church and feed the homeless every other weekend, but just you know, knock on doors and spread the word. You know, do all that, but you know that's nice. But just be kind to people, help people. You know, that's pretty much how I operate. I don't have, like I said earlier, I don't have any problems with anybody unless they do with me, and I just don't know about it. But I don't want to operate like that where I have this is just this, this hate in my heart, this dislike for people. Like I don't, I don't have to straight up like everybody and some people I just you know I don't hate them I just might not I'm just not gonna stick with you got bad vibes you got bad energy I might not go over there and just converse with you for no reason you know what I'm saying but right. um, that's kind of where I am with that uh, I think I got pretty lucky with the upbringing I had in a sense because even though I question a lot of things with all the different religions and stuff like that I think all of them have the same message behind them at the, at the root, to be kind, be nice to people, help your fellow man prosper. And I think that's what everybody needs to kind of focus on, regardless of what denomination they are. I think that's the most important 
things and I'll get from that personally. Yeah, no, that's big. That's good. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I've gotten literally, I think, any answer possible, you know, from, uh, you know, people who are practicing Christians to, to Muslim to Hindu to Satanist to everything. In between. Like, I've literally gotten it all. Um, and like I keep coming back to, I think that's a really cool thing that powerlifting has done is it's brought people from every single walk of life into this sport. Um, and I think it's what's made it such a cool spot because anyone who's yeah. anyone um, can step up and lift a barbell. Um, and, and that's sweet. And I love how accepting the community is as well. Cause at the end of the day, you know, and it's up on in my gym at DMV iron, you know, nobody cares how much weight you can lift if you're an asshole. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> you know, you could be the best lifter in the world. And if you're a dick, like it doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, so I went to a, I went to Liberty university, super, super Christian school. And, uh, you know, I think it was Jordan Peterson came in and, and spoke to the, uh, student body and he asked how many of us knew our like great great grandparents names and you know there's the one dude in the corner that's like i know like every person that's ever you know <laughs> and, but everyone else is just silent and he was like yeah like at the end of the day like in a couple hundred years like nobody's gonna remember your name either so you might as well give him a reason to and do it by being kind and you could hear like a pen drop, dude, because like everyone's like, "Oh shit," because <laughs> it's true. Like at the end of the day, like yeah. if you aren't, if you aren't being kind to the people around you, like the fuck are you doing it for? You know? And so that's good. That's real. Um, well, last big question, and this is the fan favorite, um, is uh, the breakfast question. I'm a big breakfast guy. I'm a foodie, um, and I mean. I competed 308 for a while. I'm losing weight now, which is killer for me. Shout out to Kaylee for actually making me eat good food again. Uh, <laughs> but breakfast food is, I mean, it's my kryptonite. Uh, so my question for you is, you know, what breakfast food reigns king over the rest of them? Ooh, I got to pick a single. I you know, Matt, I don't know. I, I got a real big soft spot for like, French toast and pancakes. Okay. Like, I can... It's so bad to the point, like, I, I, I say I couldn't choose just one just now, and I mean that because I will go out to, like, the restaurants, and I will get, like, a pancake combo with something, you know, and then I'll be like, oh, they got French toast. Let me get a small order of French toast to inside, and people are like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I gotta, I gotta have both, because right. I can't leave here and not try that French toast, because, you know, pancakes are always good, but sometimes you get that French toast, man, that's just... Mm-hmm. It's just perfect. Mm-hmm. You throw some eggs in there too, man. Some sausage, and I'm I'm good. I'm good. Those are those are like my. It's it's simple, but those are my my top tier choices right there. And and French toast is something you, you can make pancakes at home all the time. French toast takes a little extra work. That's true. So if I can go out to a restaurant, they got French toast. You better believe I'm getting that with my meal every time. You know, it's uh, so I was I was born in Tennessee. I grew up uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I had a buddy get oh, married. Man. Yeah, so I'm I'm a Southern boy at heart. Um, I grew up in Memphis, man. Oh, yeah, there yeah. you go. It, it's that's I still got the eight six five on my phone. It's classic. I call everybody because nice. <laughs> now that I'm in DC, I'll like call people on business and they won't pick up because they'll see the Tennessee number, and so yeah. I really need to get it changed. But um, you know, I grew up going to Dollywood and, and hitting Pigeon Forge and all that stuff. And I had a buddy get married this summer um, out in Pigeon Forge in Sevierville. And, you know, for his bachelor party, you know, he hit me with the, the guidelines that there couldn't be any alcohol, couldn't be any drugs, couldn't be strippers. Like, I, I got hit with the book. And I was like, damn, like, I got to figure out something that was – and it was a morning bachelor party. I had to figure out how to pull off something 
that was wild, you know, in that time frame. And I found this breakfast spot um, on the strip in Pigeon Forge that had like a hundred something uh, animatronic singing chickens. Um, and like, like, bro, <laughs> I, I mean, like shelves of this shit. And so oh, we like go man. in and this guy is just mortified because I got, I was like, yo, it's like, is there a way to program these chickens to like sing, like congratulations to this guy. And so dude, we've got like hundreds of plastic fucking chickens, like saying congrats to my, my buddy, but we're in there. I mean, it was probably one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Like it was kind of creepy. Cause they're all like looking around and everything, uh, you know, how those tourist traps are, but they had, oh, uh, they had this special that was like cinnamon roll pancakes. Um, and we like ordered like one order of them, like beyond everything else we ate. When I tell you they had to have been the best food I think I've ever eaten on God's green earth. Like it just unbelievable unsettling because I knew there were hundreds of plastic eyes watching me while I'm just eating it. But like, yeah. Um, but yeah, next level. So if you're ever back in that area, I have no idea what that place was called, but I'm sure if you look up animatronic singing chickens, there's probably just one spot. Uh, you no, know, man, you could have said anything in the world, and I would have never guessed you were going to say animatronic singing chickens. <laughs> Bravo, man. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have seen that coming. Uh-uh. No, trust me. He he didn't see it coming either. Uh, we left. He was like, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, that was the weirdest breakfast experience I've ever had. And I said, yeah, but it was good food. He goes, it was good food. So... Yeah, we ended up. I, I I managed to redeem it. It was that you know we hit some putt putt and uh, went to one of those axe throwing places and just about got kicked out because we broke one of the boards and one of the axes from like how hard we were throwing them joints. I was uh, just about to say how docile this bachelor party. Very too. yeah, it was until very mellow until I threw the axes. Well, you know because my original plan. So I'm a bar manager. So I own a rooftop mm-hmm. in downtown DC. So when he tells me I can't do alcohol, I'm like, dude. Like, that's like the one thing I specialize in is like alcohol. So I'm like, how are you about to tell me I can't? Uh, and so he was like, yeah, let's just keep it mellow. Because I guess like half the wedding party was like his fiance's brothers. And so I just got thrown like this deck that was just brutal. But it ended up working. Like, everybody had a good time. Uh, and then I just told him after the fact, after the wedding, I was going to take him out. We'd do the whole alcohol thing and get a, you know, a tour and tastings and all that good stuff. But. Yeah, my animatronic singing chickens had to be a you know important element of that. That takes the cake. It takes the cake. Um, it takes it. Well, as we kind of wrap up here, last thing I got for you: uh, you're six weeks out uh, from record breakers. You're coaching people. What can people expect from Chad Penson? What you got going on for yourself? Uh, shoot, man. I, I don't, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I'm I'm shooting for something pretty wild. Uh, so me, me and John are both in the top two spots for the Powerlifting Pro Series uh, Championship, whatever it's called. The Powerlifting Pro Championships, that's what it is, um, or Pro Power Championships that the WRPF is doing. And thanks to me doing absolutely terrible at the showdown and getting the 590 Wilkes versus the, like, 620 that I was hoping for, um, I got to do something pretty nuts to try to upset him out of that number one spot. So I'm shooting for a pretty massive boost on my world record squat at 198, which as long as I actually can squat, I think it'll be reasonable. I've put like 60 pounds on my, my raw squat since the current, and I think I got like 140 pounds out of wraps at the current. So I don't even want that much. I mean, maybe just a little bit more or right around that much. If I can just 
do something like in the very low nines. I would like to out squat Yuri's two twenty record, which I think is nine fourteen. Um, that would be cool. Um, I'm gonna try to shoot for like a mid twenty two hundred total uh, in wraps, obviously. So it's not as not gonna be as cool as doing it in sleeves, but. <clears throat> That's the goal, so I can try to get the number one squat from uh, from John um, and make myself feel better at least and have a good squat day. Right. Uh, just kind of redeem myself on that front because I won't be in sleeves until probably the probably the next showdown meet. So I'm also looking at this meet as kind of a not really a warm up for a second. I'm still respecting the meet as a whole. I'm going to go in there and go pretty hard at least for the squats and do small adjustments for bench and beds. Uh, because I'm not, obviously not going to get a ton stronger between showdown and, and this meet. Um, so just make some smart game time decisions on attempts there and hopefully uh, have a pretty big squat with some time in the wraps. Uh, but I'm going to use this meet as kind of a a gauge in wraps to see where I am for the current coming up uh, next uh, roughly April, I think. Uh, I said on the podcast before, I want to do a 1,000 in wraps at the current Uh it would be nice to be, to be in the 900s already um, for the record breaks meet uh, to kind of see where how it feels and really bump my numbers up a little bit before the current. Because um, obviously you can't go from 881 to 1,000 and just be like, oh, it, it'll be there. Like, no. Right. <laughs> um, it's already a really lofty goal um, as it is, especially some people probably rolling their eyes after I kind of completely destroyed myself squatting at this last meet. But... Um, if I can get if I can get keep boosting my squad up, I think I think a thousand may be possible at one ninety eight. If not this year, I'll try to go for it next year at two twenty because uh, the current will be my last meet at one ninety eight. Pretty sure. So um, I think John is staying at one ninety eight for a while, at least next year. I think so. That that rivalry might die <laughs> hmm. unless I unless I keep my weight down. So I just don't I don't know if that'll be a possibility. So I'm just keeping it real with myself. Um, but if I can get to one I need again by this time next year for the next showdown meet, then uh, yeah, it'll be me and him at one I need again, uh, throwing down. But for the next few weeks, you guys will probably see me uh, getting some practice all around the, the state in wraps. I'm probably going to take a trip up to uh, Sacramento this weekend and train at Alan Thrall's gym. Uh, and then the weekend after that, I should be back in California at California Elite. Or iron models to squat there. You get some practice on the model lifts. The cause the ghost models are just they're just great. <laughs> yeah, never had a model better than those. So I'll be practicing on those to get to get ready for uh, record breakers in a few weeks and get my walkout. Not my walkout, but get my stance and everything back right and see how everything's going. Bench and deadlifts will be pretty boring. I don't go too crazy with the top singles and stuff like that. Um, but in about three weeks, things should be kind of cooking up pretty good. Yeah, man, that's exciting. That's a that's a lot of big stuff coming up. That's a lot a lot of work to put in. Um, and I know, yeah. I know I know you're ready. I know you're you're chopping at the bit to to jump back in and, and start ramping things back up. Um, yeah, man. Well, folks, this has been a great conversation uh, with King Penson himself, uh, Chad Penson. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, as you well know, at King Penson Lifts. Myself, uh, Big Mo Powerlifting. Uh, 
all episodes up on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere else you could possibly stream anything. Uh, so please reach out to either one of us, anything we can help you with. Um, I know we ch- touched on it at the beginning. Um, if you do need somebody to listen, somebody to talk to, please reach out to either one of us. Uh, you, you are not alone. Uh, this sport is one that is meant to be done together. So please don't be afraid to reach out. With that, love you guys. We will see you next time with John Hack. Once again, just a great episode with Chad Penson. A fun one, absolutely. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else podcasts are streamed. Uh, We, of course, uh, I just appreciate any support that's given to us. Um, We are not monetized as a podcast, so word of mouth goes a long way uh, for us. Um, Just as I continue to produce and source guests and continue to grow a platform, uh, hearing a lot from my listeners is the way that I can learn and grow as a podcast host and continue to provide content that you guys will love. Our next episode uh, will be with John Hack. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting that out to you guys. Uh, As always, appreciate the support. Big love always, and we'll catch you next time.